Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Hey, the other day, I found myself in what felt like a futuristic moment. I was sitting back listening to a group of young men and women debate. And they were debating with true and sincere feelings the nature of our environment. They were high school students, and I was not at some sort of a debate session, mock trial, or forensics challenge. I was at their lunch table. The students were representative of almost every demographic, and they were talking about how sad they were that the earth was getting warmer. I sat there trying to figure out what was happening, because these are the types of discussions that would normally occur in hotly contested political debates, not high school cafeterias. I sat there wondering, what would I have been talking about at lunch my senior year? I got up and walked away and looked out the window and could not help but be really impressed. Now, I have always been very blown away with students, especially younger kids in middle school and high school. But I felt something here was really different, and it fueled my optimism for when I'm growing older and when they are in charge. That sparked me doing some research about Generation Z. Now, I've already done one podcast on them because they're so impressive to me that I wanted to speak more about them. Because the young men and women who are currently in upper elementary school and a few years out of high school are Generation Z. I love them. I love them because from my own observations and now a lot of research that we may be witnessing one of the most impressive generations ever. As we start doing some smart thinking here, I want to share with you a few things about generations. First, we are living in a very historical time period. This may be the first time in human history that seven generations share the planet at one time. Yeah, I said seven. The greatest generation, born between 1901 and 1927. The silent generation, born between 1928 and 1945. The boomers, born between 1946 and 64. Generation X, 1965 to 1980. The Millennials, 1981 to 1995. Generation Z, 1996 to 2010. And Generation Alpha, 2011 to today. There are three dominant generations in the workforce, and we sometimes have value conflicts and fail to be empathetic with each other above and below us. I mean, we all came of age in very different time periods. My parents grew up baby boomers, post-World War II, Cold War, presidential assassination, MLK's assassination, RFK's assassination, Vietnam, racial conflict, Watergate, race riots, Woodstock, summer of love, drugs, and some pretty awesome music, a growing American economy, and an access to education in new ways. They're the hippies and the yuppies. I always thought it was weird that they all aspired to drive VWs in their youth and then got old and switched to BMWs. Oh yeah, and they embraced disco and then they killed it. Poor Bee Gees. Well, then my generation, Generation X, well, we're not the greatest generation. I'd say that we're the, we're doing okay generation. Generation X, we are called because we refuse to be labeled and we had no clear and defining moment in history. Seriously, growing up in the 1980s and 90s, we saw the Cold War escalate. 
Reagan gets shot. The Pope gets shot. The economy fail and a recession. Sat in the car waiting in lines to get gas. Our parents left us alone as latchkey kids, and we saw the Cold War escalate and then saw it end, with the Berlin Wall getting toppled, the Soviet Union collapsing, and then we were the first generation to be raised by single parents, have our parents divorce, and live with dual-income parents. We sat on the laps of the greatest generation, and we now have some unique traits. We also tend not to have large families, and we worry about financial stability and our future. Our generation has had the most active military conflicts in different places across the globe, and our children are being raised in global conflict. Now, in the meantime, the millennials are 26 to 41 years old. Their entire lives, they've watched the technology revolution from the front row and literally in their hands. They're digital natives. They came of age after September 11th, and they saw the first black president get elected. They are highly educated. They have seen conflict and for most of their lives have had the global military presence all over the world. Their coming of age in leadership is unique because they tend to vote for people and not party and have high levels of acceptance of others. They watched traditional TV for a little while, and now they're the second largest group of people streaming on devices, and they also created and drove social media platforms to the highest levels of engagement we've ever seen. They don't get excited about a package on the front stoop like Gen Xers or preceding generations. It's normal to them to shop from the couch. They experience significant economic turbulence and are very conservative with their money. Okay, so that's the generations who are basically in charge and a very very quick rundown of each of them. Now let's talk about these amazing young men and women who are going to redefine our world moving forward. Here is how Generation Z is described. And I have one process to support this generation so that we can encourage and build their leadership, figure out how to best serve them, and serve those who will serve us one day. Think about that. Remember, the only way to fundamentally change the behavior of another is to first change your own behavior. Being empathetic is where that all begins. And considering that our schools are filled with Gen Z, we need to, as Gen Xers and Millennials, really work hard to be empathetic instead of comparing ourselves. Every generation thinks that they had it harder. And these kids, well, they have it so easy. (laughs) Look at all they have. Well, every generation listened as their parents and guardians said that same thing and complained about their music. Teddy, turn off that garbage. I don't think the violent femmes are garbage. I think they're awesome. Oh, anyways. However, today as leaders, which is anyone who has influence over another person, we have a real responsibility to look at who is in front of us during the day, but historically behind us in age. We may be their parents, their aunts and uncles, their teachers, their friends, their neighbors, whatever. But either way, we have an obligation to look at them as the future and to work to ensure they have the skills needed to get through their times. Only one of the aforementioned generations faced the challenges that this generation is facing for their entire existence, and they are called the greatest generation. Think about this. The greatest generation, the generation that rebuilt the country, that won World War II. They were born during a pandemic, the Spanish flu. They experienced multiple economic crashes, lived through and served in multiple world wars, and experienced great periods of uncertainty. I really want you to think about this because 
I think we have a great opportunity to support a generation that can lead us into amazing levels of happiness, joy, prosperity, and stability because we're here for them. Well, because that's what they seek and that's what Generation Z needs. I spent a ton of time researching and reading the updated data and findings about Generation Z. And here are interesting facts about them. They are the most independent learners the planet has ever seen. They are resourceful. They are the first generation to live from day one with the internet, cell phones, apps, and they are the real digital natives. They also are the most diverse generation in American history. One in four Gen Zers are Hispanic. 52% of Gen Z in the United States is white, while 48% are of diverse nature in race and ethnicity. They are accepting and empathetic like no other generation and view traditional societal equity causes not as causes, but as challenges that need to be met with good policy and support. Only 13%, I really want you to listen to this, only 13% of Gen Z live in rural America, with the rest living in suburban and urban environments. Think about that for a second. 87%, almost 9 in 10 Gen Zers live in a city. And as a result, it's impacting the auto industry. Last year, only 26% of those eligible for a driver's license by the age of 16 got it. Yeah, 74% of 16-year-olds did not get their driver's license. And then, by the time they turned 18, only 61% got their license. When I read that, I was like, how in the world are these kids getting their sense of freedom like I did? I got my license on my 16th birthday, got in the car, and never looked back. Well, in the data, the Gen Zers think it's stupid to own and maintain a vehicle. They think it's a waste of money. They have an app on their phone where a person can pick them up or take them anywhere, grab a self-propelling scooter, or hop on a shared bike, scan a barcode on their phone, and get on mass transit. 87% of Gen Z live in suburbs and the city so that they have access to alternative transportation, which no other generation has had. Not like this. This generation will likely be the first to no longer own cars and instead subscribe to random vehicles on the street that they can get in and drive or be driven in. Think about that. They are also fiscally conservative because of all the instability they have grown up with, with great periods of prosperity crashing quickly right in front of them. They thrift shop not because it's cool to wear older clothes, but because it's a sensible approach to their finances. They invest and save and pool resources to have more money together. They admire sensibility over materialism, and they do like nice things, but just not as much. My generation tends to define success by how much stuff we have, while Gen Z values wise spending. They also have an entrepreneurial mindset, unlike my generation. When they are done with something, well, they sell it online. When they have an idea, they bring it to YouTube. They can get money quickly from crowdsourcing, and they're not afraid to take risks. Failure in the economy is all they've ever known, so they win some and they lose some. They are also the most intelligent generation of all time, and they love to learn independently, which is a challenge to teachers. Traditional assessments no longer motivate them, and grades are antiquated practices for them. The internet fuels their interests, and the knowledge they garner online at their own pace far exceeds what any teacher has the capacity to share. Teachers, as a result, need to start to become facilitators of the knowledge, driving collaboration and group approaches to learning. A quiz seems very 
<laughs> and ironically, trivial, because they are the first generation to have been handed a smartphone in second grade. Yes, the average age of a Gen Zer getting a cell phone is now second grade. They entertained themselves as toddlers on iPads and their parents' smartphones that were loaded with apps so that they could watch things like Baby Einstein. Anytime you're at a restaurant, you can see a toddler streaming a cartoon so that the parents can eat without interruption. Now, I don't know, and I'm not certain, whether this is good or bad. I mean, a good game of I Spy in a restaurant is a ton of fun. Remember, before when I said, we need to change in order to change the behaviors of others? Well, when we have the next generation coming up behind us, and they don't drive anywhere, they like to independently learn, and they're frugal, well, what do we do? Well, we consider some of the other attributes of this generation, the deficits. And that is the biggest challenge they face and we face for and with them because they're anxious, they're nervous, they're unsettled, and they have more mental health issues than any generation before them. And it significantly impacts their ability to be the best version of themselves. I found a research study by McKenzie and Company, which is a major consulting firm and think tank. And, and here's what they said. In our sample, Gen Z respondents were more likely to report having been diagnosed with a behavioral health condition, for example, mental or substance use disorder, than either Gen Xers or baby boomers. Gen Z respondents were also two to three times more likely than other generations to report thinking about, planning, or attempting suicide in the 12-month period spanning between late 2019 and late 2020. Gen Z also reported more unmet social needs than any other generation. 58% of Gen Z reported two or more unmet social needs, compared with 16% of people from older generations. These perceived unmet social needs, including income, employment, education, food, housing, transportation, social support, and safety, are associated with higher self-reported rates of behavioral health conditions. As indicated in a na recent nationwide survey, people with poor mental health were two times as likely to report an unmet basic need as those with good mental health, and four times as likely to have three or more unmet basic needs. They also had a 30% increase in suicide in just their generation. I mean, come on, we need to be better for them. And to round it all off, this generation has dealt with the impact of the pandemic in ways no other modern generation has or no generation in its past has. You see, you combine all of these things into one young person and you're jamming a lot of stress into an unexperienced, immature, and not fully developed brain with limited life experiences and you're putting a lot of pressure on that person's mind and body. COVID-19 has had significant impact already on Generation Z. The pandemic fundamentally changed their educational, social, and family structures and experiences. For many, learning moved online. The pandemic again destabilized the economy and created unemployment for this generation. No young group since the Depression experienced unemployment like they have because the restaurants, the entertainment business, and tourist areas were all shut down, and that's where they work. Further, they were robbed of a parent or a loved one experienced an inability to say goodbye to loved ones, weren't allowed to visit the outer circles of their family or friendship networks for a whole year, and missed major life cycle rituals. They graduated and went to college only to be locked up in their dorms or locked out entirely. And those who stayed home were given unwanted responsibilities as teachers and caregivers for their siblings and extended families. 
All this drives them to be challenged with their mental health and levels of anxiety unseen before in mass like this. Compound all of this with the adults around them losing their minds, constantly reminding the kids of what they're missing and struggling themselves. And we're on the edge of pushing the next generation off the cliff. Yet, here we are, leaders with influence, and I believe a wonderful challenge in front of us. Young leaders needing one or two things in their lives, and we, well, we can provide all of it. The one thing they need more than anyone is something pretty simple, through process that we can certainly create. And as a result, we can invest in their mental health and reduce the one factor that is fueling their uncertainty, and that is that they lack predictability. We all lack predictability, but think of an entire generation not being able to predict what's going to happen tomorrow because they have no idea what else could happen to them. Think about it. They were born, and we as their parents were anxious because the U.S. had just experienced September 11th. Then we watched, they watched us freak out as the housing market collapsed and the American economy started to crash, all the while our families had members deployed in foreign countries fighting these wars. And then, just when we thought things were fine, we hit the Great Recession, All of this happening while these little eyes were watching us. And just when the economy is growing and optimism is in the air for these kids, well, a little virus succumbs the planet and blows up their worlds and they again watch as their parents, teachers, loved ones, and everyone else freaks out. Well, geez, Ted, when you put it that way, well, when I put it that way, I do so with an opportunity in mind. Because whenever there is a problem, we need a process. And in order to support the needs of those we serve, we need to support their mental health and, more importantly, attack the root of the problem. We are all we are all gifted and talented when it comes to developing crazy narratives in our brains and driving ourselves to be anxious. And when you think of the life experiences of Gen Z, no wonder they sometimes get stuck and can't see their way out. I mean, what else could possibly happen? Well... In order to support their well-being and our own, let's look to some ways to support predictability. Now, this is a process for the workplace, the office, your house, the classroom, wherever. I call it this week's expectations and contingencies. Now, I realize that the word contingencies is a big word, but use it and use this process. Resiliency is a really strong value and characteristic, and if we're going to support the mental health of Gen Z and ourselves, we need resilient strategies, and resiliency grows from predictability and repeated life experiences, like learning that charging into every storm you face gets you through it faster. Here is how it would look in the classroom. You dedicate a whiteboard or a bulletin board to a weekly calendar, and you create it with two columns and ten boxes. Column one is labeled the plan, and column two is labeled if. Yep, column one, the plan, column two, if. Now hear me out here. What this is, is a visible and weekly, as well as daily discussed predictor of their time. So in the first column, let's say on Monday, it says the plan, and you write, introduce new materials and discuss as well as work together on understanding the different concepts of ancient Egypt's growth. Now in the if column, it says, if there is a sub, snow day, or cancellation, we will do X. If there is low attendance, we will do Y. And if you miss school, you will do Z. Now, you're able to foresee upcoming events that may cause anxiety. Imagine the teacher saying, hey, COVID numbers are rising, so I want to make certain you see what we will do if we have to mask, if we have to go virtual, if we have to stay in one room, whatever it is. But you lay it all out. 
You'll know it is coming so you can constantly share with your students what is going to be the plan as well as share the what-ifs. This predictability is critical for these kids, for Gen Z. Heck, it's important for all of us. If you condition your students to know that you'll be sharing the plan as well as what we will do if it doesn't happen, they will have predictability in the unpredictable events around them. Why? Well, they will settle into a routine where they know you'll be sharing what will be happening instead of them guessing. Can you imagine being a Gen Z kid and going to school and having no idea what's going to happen? Studying and preparing only to have everything canceled and then your nervous energy gets prolonged? Imagine thinking you're going to be performing in a middle school concert in front of your parents and your school and you've practiced all semester and at the last minute it's canceled and you didn't even know there was an alternative plan. Transparency for the kids is critical, but predictability is even more so. Why are we experiencing so much weirdness in the halls, so much conflict, so much instability? Because we are creating it and we're not making life predictable. Three years ago, life was a series of predictable routines. Now, the routine is that there isn't one. And that's unnerving to everyone. Now, apply this to the school office because the teachers need this as well. And not just during the pandemic, but always. Apply this in your office and address all the questions that are unanswered. The plan column. Here we go. We are planning on having five staff out on Monday. Column two. If we have more, the following people will need to sub or staff classrooms. If we have less out, I'm buying pizza. Today, on Tuesday, we have a staff meeting scheduled at 3.30 p.m. All staff are expected to be there. Column two says, if we have six or more staff out and 10 staff members need to sub during the day, we will cancel the meeting and reschedule it as a virtual option, as a recorded option. We'll meet with your individual teams or departments during the day or grade levels to ensure you have what you need. Or we may never meet at all. At home, in your home, Thursday, column one, school, practice, dinner as a family and homework. Column two, if, if mom has an unforeseen late night, Charlie will take Grace to practice and dad will grab pizzas and we'll all study together when everyone's home at 7.30. Publicly displayed opportunities for clarity, transparency, and predictability. This is what's really, really important. Now, we'll throw a sample template in the TH3 this week for you to see. And by the way, if you like any of those branded tools, just reach out to me and I'll have our awesome team, Jan and Jill, work with you to get your own. Now, here's the deal. I'm not a worrier by nature. I'm optimistic. Yet, I find myself thinking about how awesome the current Gen Zers actually can be. What amazing potential they have. How they're sweet, accepting, loving, intelligent, kind, and giving. I also think of the emotional burdens they have been handed in this world that they grew up in. And I think this world is now obligated as a result of giving that to them to create some lift through process. And this is a simple step, but a needed one. Remember this. Gen Z is known for being anxious, but hardworking. Some think they will end up being the most entrepreneurial generation. They've grown up in a world where everyone has a smartphone. There was a black president. Same-sex marriage is a constitutional right. Gen Z tends to see morals as relative and is growing up in a far more diverse world than previous generations have, both when it comes to race and gender identity. For example, marketingteacher.com, I found, reports that since the early 1700s, the most common last name in the United States was Smith, but not anymore. Now it's Rodriguez. So they need us to be Buffalo for them. To show them the power of predictability and demonstrate through process that we can eliminate many of the false narratives that they develop in the absence of knowing what will happen. 
I long for the days that our columns read like this. Column one. On Tuesday, you'll go to school, I'll go to work, and we'll have family dinner. Column two. Well, if a meteor is headed our way and imminent doom, please meet on the beach for a final picnic. Mom will grab food, Dad will bring the music, Charlie the blankets, and Grace will bring dessert. Wouldn't that be awesome again? So let's do some smart thinking. Describe how you will apply your knowledge to Gen Z. List a process you can employ to increase predictability. And describe one change you can make today to support the mental health of all of those you serve. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening, and please share and rate this episode. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so on whichever app you listen to it on. And also, thank you to the Well Pennies for the great music, and please remember to support them by following the Well Pennies on your music platform. Okay, this was a little longer than normal, but I feel it is really important for us to change for this generation and to begin to address their needs instead of just our own. So many good problems in our days, and they unfortunately compound, support our own unraveling, and then we spiral with a real difficulty in pivoting back to positivity. But now, well, you have a process to support your ability to pivot, and theirs. Contingencies for each day so that you can at least hope that you don't have to do the contingency column. The hope certainly beats driving up to your day and not having any idea what is going to happen, and as a result, creating significant anxiety. I get nervous just thinking about this. I want to end this with one last mind-blowing fact and prediction that I found. Today, while you are listening to this, 385,000 children are being born all over the world. They are called the Alpha Generation, named so because they're the first generation of the new century and the third millennium. Each of the seven living generations has done one thing better than the last one, and that is we have lived longer. As we listen to this podcast, there are more centurions on the planet than ever before, 100-year-olds who've lived through everything we've talked about today. Now, for the mind-blowing prediction, it is believed as a result of science and the increased quality of food, access to water, smarter medicines, and lifestyles, that a child was born already that will live to 150 years of age. Yep, there's a little alpha somewhere who will likely see a century and a half of life. And you know what hit me when I heard that? I hope I meet that person. I hope you meet that person. I hope that we instill in them a mindset that they can charge into anything that they are facing. I hope that Gen Zers will set the stage for a future where longevity is met with positivity, where really, really old buffaloes charge into hurricanes with zeal. All because the Gen Zers were taught by us that they can really get through any storm that they are facing. Welcome to your life. There's no turning back. Even while we sleep, we will find you acting on your best behavior. Turn It's my own remorse Help
Never, never, never needed 